This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Taz. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. Hey, you guys. I just want to give an additional trigger warning to this episode. Uh, the trigger warnings of abuse of a minor, suicide attempts and ideations, and domestic abuse. Please enjoy this episode. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. I know you love that DJ, so I bought us tickets for next week. Got you a coffee, oatmeal cappuccino, right? Your bookshelf. Wow. You've got a really, really great taste. Let's spend the day together. I've got it all planned out. Kindness. Now that's sexy. Try it for yourself with compliments now on Bumble. Our players this week are Martina Latessa, Brisha's aunt and Brandy's sister, Brandy Meadows, Brisha's mom, and Jonathan's wife, Jonathan Meadows, Brisha's dad, and our victim, and Brisha Meadows, our murderess. Brisha was born in August of 2002 in Warren, Ohio, to Brandy and Jonathan Meadows. She had siblings, one brother named Jonathan Jr., but everybody called him JR, a sister, Brianna, and we believe that there was also a much older sister that was out of the house during most of this story that we're going to tell. Now, Warren is a city that is about an hour south of Cleveland, and it's very close to Youngstown, Ohio, which is known to be a pretty rough neighborhood, a pretty rough city to live in. Now, the Meadows household, even though it may have seemed nice from the outside and maybe neighbors didn't really hear anything from the Meadows home, but inside of the house, it was very chaotic. Jonathan Meadows, which a lot of people call Johnny, was the source of this chaos. Brisha's parents, Brandy and Johnny, they met when they were really young and they fell in love fast. Now, Brandy is white and her folks didn't really approve of her dating and considering a long-term relationship with Jonathan for two reasons. A, because he was black, because he was a big black man. And B, because they were like, not only that, but he also seems like he's really controlling. Like, on no racist shit, he seems like he's a very controlling guy. Now, it took about five years for Brandy's family to finally just come to and accept Brandy's marriage, accept Johnny, and 
except this family that was slowly starting to grow that Brandy and her husband were building. Now, for 19 years, Jonathan worked in product development for the Tribune Chronicle as a carrier. He attended John Marshall High School in Cleveland, and he was one of seven siblings. Behind closed doors, the Meadows house was a nightmare. Jonathan was an alcoholic, and in his alcoholic rages, he was extremely abusive to not only his wife, but his children as well. It was like he had a nightly routine. He'd drink, he'd beat Brandy, and he'd pass out wherever he landed. Now, Brandy, remember, that's Breesha's mom. She was the person that took the brunt of most of these beatings. But let's back up a little bit. But the beatings and the abuse didn't start when Brisha was born. Before she was born, when her siblings, when her older brother and sister were about maybe one or two, they actually had another family living in their household, a young boy named Javon. Now, Javon is Brandy and Jonathan's nephew from Jonathan's side of the family. And something happened in his life. He ended up being put in the system. And instead of going to an actual foster parent, they stepped in to act as his foster parent. Mm, They was trying to get a check. So Javon was about six years old when he moved in. And almost from the moment that he was in their household, he was like, I was in their household and I was just always on punishment. Like the golden rule from Jonathan was that whatever happens in his house stays in his house. Don't speak about this family business outside of this house. If you got some troubles, you keep it to yourself. Don't tell no teachers. Don't tell no students. Don't tell nothing. And Jonathan just remembered, like, I was constantly getting whoopings. Like, I was getting beat with the belt. I was getting beat with a wooden pallet. He said in one article that he, when he was young, he took the wooden pallet and went outside and hid it in a bush or something. And that had stopped Johnny. Like, of course, when you're a kid, you think, it's like when you take the switches out of the house, you think that that's going to stop it. Johnny just was enraged and if he couldn't find the paddle he just found something else to beat Javon with it was to the point where Javon really was not allowed to leave his room because he was constantly on punishment he said when he was young he used to look out the window and he just watch all the other kids outside playing but he could never go outside because he was always on punishment he was always in trouble something and and these beatings from Jonathan like these beatings from Johnny you never knew when they were coming like it would be four o'clock in the morning. All of a sudden, you getting waking up to getting your ass beat because Johnny is mad. And, you know, that's the sad part about, like, kids who are being abused one way or another is they're always on punishment. And they can be perceived by others who aren't paying close enough attention that they're the problem child or they don't know how to act when you could have, you could have, you know, just coughed at the wrong time and you're on punishment. Like, you'll always be on punishment. You know what I mean? And with the neighbors and the kids that saw him, he didn't even have any friends to talk to, but they would see him. And they, they said they used to call him the boy in the window. Like, you just the... Boy in the window we always see that never comes outside and plays because he's never allowed to. And I feel like that's just a red flag. Like, there, we know that there's a kid in that house, and we've never seen that kid even come out and play to the point where, like, his cousins that were in the house, they would sometimes forget that he was in the house because he was stuck in that room that had basically, what did he say? I don't have the quote right in front of me, but he was like, there was a broken TV, a bed, table, and a dresser. You know what I'm saying? Like, there wasn't nothing there. He was basically in a prison as a child. Half of me wants to say, like, why would you do that? But seeing the type of person that Johnny is, I almost guarantee you it's because of a check. And that was the only reason he cared. And Javon, as he was getting older in this household and his youngest cousin, Brisha, was being born, like, he was, this abuse was not stopping. And he saw it all the time. One time, he saw Johnny backhand Brandy. 
and Brandy fell to the ground, but Brandy was actually holding Brisha while Brisha was a little baby. So Brandy is like, of course, she's holding the baby. She's getting her ass beat. She's hovering herself over the baby, trying to uh, trying to protect baby Brisha. And Javon comes out of the room, and he, he sees his aunt get hit to the ground and getting choked. So he tries to push his uncle off. And next thing you know, Javon is getting his ass beat by Johnny because Johnny is, how dare you? I'm your family. Don't you ever disrespect me. Don't you ever cross me. Don't you ever turn your back on me. I'm your family. Don't you ever do that. But it's crazy because, like, yes, you're my family. Like, I'm from your side. But, like, technically, this is my auntie. And she my family, too. Now, when Javon was about 12 or 13 years old, he told them that he did not want to live there anymore. He didn't actually say it to Johnny because he was terrified of Johnny. He actually put it in a note. And Johnny was trying to actually kind of convince him to stay, but Javon was like, you're not treating me well. And finally, Javon was able to talk to his caseworker and got out of that household. After that, he was bopping around from foster home to foster home for a little while before he was adopted. One of the first things he did when he got out of that home was told his caseworker about everything that he saw inside of that home. Every, all the beatings, all of the abuse, the verbal, the mental, emotional abuse that he saw while he was under their care. But his statements really went nowhere. No caseworker after Javon left that house came to investigate the Meadows household. Now, Brandy was continuously abused, mentally, physically, emotionally, all of that. He was mean with his words. He was hurtful. With what he said to every member of the family, you're useless, I don't need y'all, y'all disgusting. Just any pain he was feeling, he took it out on them. When Brisha was young, she was considered a daddy's girl, like he was her world. And then she turned eight, and that's when her dad raped her. This caused a shift in Brisha's behavior. Every day was chaos in our household, and Brisha was spending less and less time with her family. She began isolating herself, listening to music, staying in her room, you know, just making dance routines, anything to keep herself occupied, but has kind of detached socially, even just with her family. She was just trying to escape from this house that she was in and the things that she would see. Her mom with a black eye, her mom coming back from the hospital with fractured ribs, her mom with her fingers broken from the fight that she had with her dad the night before, her dad waving a gun around in people's faces, her face, mom's face, everybody like just aggressive, threatening behavior all the time. In 2010, Brandy could really see the weight of the abuse in the household and how it was affecting Brisha. Her mental health was deteriorating. Brisha began cutting herself. She was hospitalized for a suicide attempt and then diagnosed with depression. And this was only one of three suicide attempts that her uncle on her dad's side could recall. But the thoughts were constantly creeping into her mind. 2011, Jonathan made threats to kill the entire family, and this wasn't his first time. It wasn't going to be his last, but the family was getting terrified. Even Brandy's health was deteriorating. She ended up having a stroke, and she decides that it's time for her to go. So she leaves to her family in Cleveland, and they sit her down with the police, and she tells them she is in fear for her life. And this is, like, the first time that her family, Brandy's family, has seen Brandy in years. Right. They have no idea what's happening with her because Johnny keeps them very isolated, and that's a big part of abuse is mostly keeping that isolation, keeping them in your in the world that you've created. and Which is why them kids stay I mean, on he punishment. Would, why they stay on punishment. He would yell out things like, y'all are worthless, don't nobody want y'all, ain't nobody gonna care for y'all like me. And people yell that shit at you long enough, you start believing that shit. Mm-hmm. 
and your world just gets smaller and smaller because somebody says so. On July 7th of 2011, Brandy files a protective order to keep Jonathan away from herself and her children. After this, the family moves in with Brandy's sister, Brisha's aunt, and the family stayed there for a while, and the police took additional statements from Brandy. In her statement, she wrote, Since I've left, I've been in fear of my life of me and my children. If he finds us, I am 100% sure he will kill me and the kids. Now, Brandy admits that she's completely terrified of her husband. She felt powerless to act against him out of fear of not only him, but of him being reincarcerated because he had been in trouble before. Now, she was under the impression that he had a felony, but apparently he didn't. But I definitely remember her saying that they used to own three guns and they were all in his in her name because he couldn't get a gun because he was a felon. Right. And then I saw I remember I, we listened to that podcast. I said that it turns out he was never a felon. But like, was he just using that as a way of power? You know, like, are you going to you going to uh, call the police? You going to send me back to jail? You going to send me to prison? So then you going to be have to raise these kids on your own. Like, there's so many ways that he could just spiral one little lie to be the reason why you have to not tell anybody. Right. Because that's what abusers do. Now, court records show that the charges in the 2011 domestic violence case against Jonathan Meadows were dropped by Brandy, and Jonathan was never convicted. Brandy's sister said she woke up in the middle of the night and Brandy and the kids were gone. She pulled up to the house and was met by Jonathan Jr., who basically said, y'all should go, he's got a gun, and if you come in here, he will try and kill you. He's like, look, all those kids are working to make sure she's protected. We're always making sure someone's in the house because it was stated, you know, Jonathan didn't beat the kids, although he might have abused them in other ways verbally and, you know, at least Brisha sexually. He never hit the kids. And so they were like, just if we're around, then maybe it won't be so bad. Now, things didn't get better. At all. If anything, they were constantly getting worse. And that's how abuse goes. Like, it'll be calm and we'll be happy for a week or a month or a couple months. But once it gets bad again, it's, you know, it's it's the cycle. But in January of 2015, when Brisha was 13 years old, she ran away from home. She was scared and she goes and calls her aunt for come save her for refuge. She calls her aunt and while her aunt is coming to get her, she hides out in an abandoned house. Her aunt Gina comes and gets her and she's scared. Brisha is scared. It's late. Who knows what happened in the house that night? She was so upset and just emotionally charged that she ended up wetting herself. She's in these wet clothes. I don't know if it was a rainy night, but she's in these wet clothes. So her aunt takes her and puts her on some clean clothes. And she's like, okay, well, we're going to go down to the police station. Remember, her aunt is a police officer, but this is not her jurisdiction. This is not her county. She just can do what the law says to do, right? So she takes her to the police station. When she's on the way to the police station, Brisha is in the backseat just screaming and crying. I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. I don't. Just like, take me with you. Take me with you where you at. I don't want to go back home. The police start talking to her. Aunt's talking to her. She's like, listen, I am scared. Okay, I'm scared for my life. I, my father is at home. He's abusive. He has guns. Um, he says that he he threatens my mom's life. He threatens my life. He threatens my siblings' life all the time. And her aunt is like, "You guys need to do something. Like, wh- what what do y'all do here? And for domestic disputes like this, because that was her aunt's specialty. And so her aunt is trying to get the police." to do something and they're like you know we don't really we weren't really trained in domestic issues at this station you know what you should do you should come by and teach a class 
And she's like, I am telling you what to do right now to save my sister. And if you guys don't do anything, the next time that you guys and I have a conversation, you will be calling me to tell me that my sister is dead because you guys don't know what you're doing. Like, uh, I can just imagine how frustrating that is. Yeah. I know. I know. I just, like, uh, I'm frustrated for this white woman. Like, I am. And she's just doing her best to save her sister, and she knows the statistics. And she was like, I will help y'all. I will give y'all the resources you need, but you have to take this seriously. And just to find out later, it falls on deaf ears. It's just, it's frustrating. Exactly. I mean, and they go and they call, they call the house, they talk to Brandy. Um, When the police talk to Brandy, of course, Brandy, Johnny told Brandy what to say. And they call up Brandy, they talk to her very briefly, like, and they were just like, um, yeah, she says that things are happening at the house. And Brady's like, oh, no, she's just upset. She's just upset because this boy, we wanted her to go out with this boy. And and we told her no. And so she got sad and she ran away. You know, teenagers, that's how they are. Her aunt is like, that's a lie. That's a lie. My sister is a victim of abuse, so she is going to lie because she has to protect her abuser. This is just, this is textbook stuff that is happening right now. I need you all to do what you're supposed to do. They look into the case and they're like, "Mm, things are fine. And they send Brisha back home. Now, Brisha later talks to her mom and she's just like, mommy, like, I just, I hate this so much. Like, I hate this. Like, I thought, she really thought that if she ran away, like, if I ran away and I am showing you that I can leave, then maybe you, mommy, you can also see that you can leave. It's sad that she's that age trying to give her mom the strength. (sighs) But when you in it deep like that, like, you Mm -hmm. don't, like, when, when you're in, when you are thick in the abusive cycle, it's... It's strength. What is that? Never heard of her. The strength that you would use for every other things is making sure that you tense up enough so that you don't feel the blows. Like, so that happened in January of 2015 and the rest of the year happened. No caseworker followed up with the family. Auntie didn't hear from her niece or her sister. Definitely not from her brother-in-law. And in May of 2016, Brisha, who was a straight-A student, who had this bright future ahead of her that was in advanced classes, was now starting to cut class. And her attitude just completely changed. Like, she didn't care for much of anything. Most of her time was in her room or doing whatever to just clear her mind. The exact dates are fuzzy, but around May either 26th or the 28th, Brandy gets up at 4 a.m. and she realizes that Brisha is not there, that Brisha has run away again. Brandy, first thing that she does is she calls Brisha's best friend, Sequoia, to see if she's over there. Brisha's not there. Again, Brisha decided that she was going to go to her aunt's house. She calls her aunt and she makes her way to her aunt. And her aunt's like, okay, last time I took you to the police station and clearly nothing has happened because here we are again in the same situation. So what we're going to do is I'm going to just call Children's Services directly myself. So she calls the Trumbull County Children's Service, and finally, someone was sent to the house to interview the family. But did this worry Johnny? Absolutely not. Of course it didn't, because he knew that Brandy was aware of the consequences that she would face if she did not lie to the police and say that she had no idea that Brisha was cutting herself and that Brisha was actually lying about cutting herself altogether and that her sister, the aunt that you're talking to, she's a liar too. And throughout that entire time that 
the family services actually showed up to the house, it's really crazy because they interviewed Johnny and Brandy right next to each other and they never separated them, pulled Brandy to the side. Even if she wanted to tell children's services the truth, she never really had the opportunity to do so. Now, after very little investigation, because that one interview was enough to satisfy the workers there at children's services, they ordered that Brisha would go back home. When they told her this, Brisha had had it. She had had it. She, everything that had happened to now, she was not going back to that home. They said that she just dropped on the floor and she was crying and she was just like, I'd rather be dead. Like, I'd just rather be dead. And that turned up their ear and they were like, "Uh uh-oh, is that you talking about suicide? So instead of sinking her back home, they actually took her to a hospital. And from the hospital, they took her to Windsor Laurel Center for Behavioral Medicine, and that's out in Wallaby. So she was there at the Behavioral Center for about a week. And from there, she was sent home. They gave her a prescription. They, I'm not sure what the prescription was. She is, we are talking about a minor, so. Um, And they did also give her an order to go to counseling. And everybody said that when she just returned, like, it was her first time really being institutionalized for real, for real. And they said she got back and she was just crying. All she did was just cry and cry and cry. Once Brisha got back from the hospital, she tried to take her mom aside because she wanted to tell her mom that her dad had been raping her. She gets her mom and she says, Mommy, I have to tell you a secret. And her mom says, what is it? And before she can say anything else, Johnny yells from the next room, ain't no secrets in this house. Brandy, come sit your ass right beside me. It was like Brandy and Brisha, mother and daughter, weren't even allowed to have a moment alone of privacy in their house because Johnny was making sure that it didn't happen. So on July 28th of 2016, Brandy says her husband comes home around 5 o'clock p.m. And it was a little too hot to be cooking in that kitchen. So Jonathan decides he's going to order some potatoes and chicken for dinner. She eats sitting next to him, of course, on the couch. They're both drinking a mix of Boston's Riva Vodka and Cola. And it was also smoking a little Cheap smoky liquor. smoke. Brandy calls this alcohol and marijuana routine a daily occurrence. And she says that she would drink with him because if he didn't, he'd get angry. And so, you know, regardless of if she felt like it or not, she's drinking to keep the peace and make the house more copacetic for everybody. Just for for a little while. You know? So Brandy says she decides to go to sleep around 8 p.m. that night. He's on the love seat, and she is sleeping on the floor. She states because she has to sleep underneath him. And she cannot get up without telling him. That's even if she has to use the bathroom. Like, hey, Johnny, just letting you know, I'm going up because I have to take a piss. Is that cool? Yeah, okay, got to go, right? So around 10 p.m., her husband wakes her up, but she ends up going back to bed. The next time she wakes up is at 3.20 a.m. She wakes up to a sound that rocked the entire house. She looks up, opens her eyes, and Brisha is holding a gun. Immediately, she's thinking Johnny shot the gun because the gun usually lays underneath him while he sleeps. But when she looks up, she sees Brisha in front of her holding the gun. And then she looks over at her husband and is still trying to piece things together and is like, what did you do? Like, what's going on? Brisha is staring at her blankly and then looking at her husband again, she realizes that her husband is dead. 
And she's like, Brisha, Brisha, what did you do? Now, in this moment, Brisha's sister Brianna comes out of the room and she sees Brisha kind of facing her with the gun. She doesn't have the gun pointed at everybody at right. this moment. She's just the holding gun the gun. The gun is facing the, the ground, but Brianna says it's like she was facing her her parents, but she says it's almost like the blowback from the gun kind of turned her a bit, and then she was kind mm-hmm. of facing where the kitchen was and her bedroom was off the kitchen. She says Brisha had the most blank look on her face. She's never seen her like this before. Everybody's in shock. And Brandy's like, Brianna, call 911. So Brianna calls 911 and hands her mom the phone. 14. And Brisha runs upstairs, still in a state of shock, and jumps in the shower to take a cold shower. And she's, like, got all her clothes on. She's just in the shower, like, trying to figure out what the fuck just happened. I saw some podcasts that were like, why would she do that? And honestly, like, I gotta wake if up I was that days, yeah, somebody wake me, wake me up. Like, I'm, I'm clearly sleepwalking. Something is just horribly, something's going to be horribly wrong. Now, the 911 operator tells Brandy to, you know, take the gun. And so Brandy takes the gun and puts it in a laundry basket so that nobody else will touch it. The cops arrive and they go upstairs to where Brisha's at. And they're like, listen, we have to take you down to the station. We're definitely going to need to ask you guys some questions to figure out what exactly is going on here. And... They're like, uh, you want to put on some dry clothes? And she's like, yeah. And they're like, okay, go ahead. No privacy, no nothing. All male cops in the room. But we've got a suspect here, you know. Don't want to turn our backs for a second. Uh, a minor suspect at that. A minor female suspect. So they get down to the interrogation. And at around 4.20 a.m., they're interviewing the mom. And the mom is just like, he was very controlling. He, he, you know, he used to hit me. He doesn't hit me so much lately, but, you know, I've been doing this for 22 years. I know how to keep him off of me. I know what to do to stay in line. And, you know, but Brisha, just, I don't understand what happened. I didn't even realize she shot him at first. She said, I thought he was drunk or something. I'm shaking him to get up. And now I've got his blood all over my arm. She was like, I just don't understand. She continues to tell the police how controlling he was over her, how controlling he was over the kids. And they were like, well, what happened with Johnny and Brisha? Did they exchange words that day? And she's like, no. I mean, there was an incident in May. She ran away. She's like, I just think, I think that Brisha is too smart. She's too damn smart. She was like, I think that Brisha thought she was saving me. And she was like, I... I know it probably is weird that, you know, how he acts and how controlling I let him be. But, you know, I was okay. I've been doing this. 
22 years in the game, I just, I, I'm used to it. I'm okay with it. Like, I mean, I'm not okay with it. I know that sounds insane, but I'm okay with it, right? So then the interview shifts. It's like 7 a.m. and they're talking to Brisha. And they're like, or it's, it's like 7 a.m. And they're like, all right, mom, we're going to let you sit with Brisha for a second. We're going to come back in here and read some statements to you or whatever, right? So Brisha's mom is like, do not talk. Don't say anything. I'm going to get you a lawyer. And then they interview Brianna, the older sister. And they're like, okay, what did you see? She's like, I woke up. I hear this boom. Or I hear this boom. I wake up. I go in there. I see Brisha holding a gun. Again, blank state, blank stare. Never seen her like this. She was like, I called 911 and gave my mom the phone. But when I went to talk to my brother, he tells me that Brisha had a dream that dad killed mom. So that Johnny killed Brandy. So then they go to uh, the interrogation room with Brisha and her mom. And they're like, you know, we're going to give you two some privacy. And Brisha's like, do not talk. Don't say anything. I'm going to get you a lawyer. And they're sitting there trying to think. They have, I think, the son's phone or something. And and Brandy's like, do you remember my sister or my mom's number? And they're like really sitting there going back and forth. Like, I know it ends in 8500, but like, what is the stuff in between? And Brandy says that she wasn't even allowed to have a phone. So it's not like she has these numbers saved somewhere. And then so Brisha goes like on her brother's phone is on Facebook and everything searching, trying to look in there and see how she can get in contact with her aunt and stuff. And so she's looking on and I guess she's either she's either on the brother's phone or the dad's phone. But she was like, he's blocked them. So she can't even get to her aunt's or her grandmother's page on this Facebook. And she was like, you know what? Let me sign out. I'm going to log into my own Facebook. And I know that they'll answer me. I know they'll answer my call. And so while Brisha is trying to do all this logging in and stuff, um, Brandy is like whispering to her, just don't say anything. You're being, everything you say is being recorded. And she was just like, I just don't know why you did it. And Brisha's like, me neither. And I didn't mean to disappoint you. She's like, no, no, no. I know you tried to save me. And then she was like, but did you plan to do this? Which I don't understand why she asked because she said everything you say is being recorded. So why are you questioning her about it? And what if she said yes? You know she what I'm didn't. saying? Spoiler. She, what if she said yes? And Brisha was like, then we all fucked. You know? She was like, no, I was just angry. I didn't mean it. And so. An officer comes in. He was like, I need you to sign this statement saying that you agree to give me a mouth swab for DNA. And Brandy allows it. He takes Brandy's DNA and he takes Brisha's DNA from the mouth swab. And he says this is just because both of their DNA is on the gun. And so they have to keep record of that. Right. So the cops tell her that Brisha is, in fact, going to go to JJC or Juvie that night and she will get more information in the morning because mom's like, well, what's her bail? He was like, oh, there's not going to be a bail tonight. See, she's going to talk to a judge in the morning probably, but, you know, I'll give y'all the room to make y'all calls. Again, Brisha's looking, trying to figure out how to get in touch with anybody on her mom's side of the family. Throughout all this time, her mom is just like, one, scrambling between, she's like flipping between, I don't know why you did it and you have to stay strong. You know, like she was like, when you go there, don't be scared. Hold your head up. I feel so sorry for you. They might take you to a mental hospital again. 
be truthful, tell the doctors whatever you were feeling, you know, she's like, we can maybe get an insanity plea, like, just, when you get to that mental hospital, you make sure you tell them everything. And she's like, because I told them he was abusive, I told him he was controlling. Brisha finally gets her aunt's number, and it's her mom's younger sister, Gina, or Angelina, they call her Gina. And Brisha says, auntie, my mom needs to talk to you, it's very important. She hands the phone over, and Brandy's like, Gina? And she's like, yeah. And she breaks down. She's like, we need help. She's just like, Brisha shot Johnny in the head and killed him. We need help. We need a lawyer. They're taking her to jail. Like, she's she's losing it. Brisha starts crying. She says, I'm sorry. She says, it's okay, Brisha, but Gina, I need a lawyer. I need a lawyer. I need a lawyer. So Gina says something over the phone, and Brandy's like, I don't know, because I denied all of it. There's no record. And so I think Gina was trying to, like, you know, say, but it's self-defense. And I think Brandy's thinking in her head, I mean, maybe if I follow through on this stuff, it would be easier to prove, but there's no record that I've been abused. She was like, they didn't believe us when we came the last time. Nobody ever follow up on it. There was never a case, which is such a dangerous position to put them in. She's on the phone with Gina, and she was like, you know, I could take the abuse. Again, she's telling her sister to sing, but she says, I always said if he hit the kids, I was leaving with no hesitation. She's like, but I could take it. She says, tomorrow was our 22nd anniversary. And Brisha starts crying. She's like, I'm so sorry. Then Brandy asks Brisha, do you feel relieved? And Brisha says, do you? And Brandy says, no, I loved him. And Brisha starts bawling again. She's like, I didn't know that. And then she says, I loved him. I hated the way he acted, and I hated how he controlled everything and how he controlled y'all. And I told the police that, and she was like, but I loved him. And she's just like, I'm sorry. I forgot it was y'all anniversary. She's like, it's okay. Like, calm down. And then she says, Brisha, is this why you haven't been sleeping lately? And she's like, I don't know. I just couldn't sleep the last few nights. And she's like, yeah, your dad said something was wrong with you because he keeps hearing you up in the middle of the night. And then Brisha starts, like, spiraling. She's like... I'm going to be in jail. I'm not going to graduate. And she said, this part made me so sad. She's like, she says, can you call Sequoia and tell her I love her? And she was like, why do you want to call Sequoia? She says, because I love her. She said, did you call her? She said, no, but she's my best friend. She was like, listen, I don't want everybody to know. I'm not trying to put it on social media. And she's like, I hated the way he acted. Don't get me wrong. But like this, I did not want this. And she was like, and he can't even. Then Brisha starts, you know, continuing down her spiral. She says, he can't even forgive me. She said, I'm probably going to hell. And just, she's like really like feeling what all this could be. You know what I mean? Like not only in the next few years, but like her eternal soul, you know, like she's like, feels like she's fucked up everything from here on out, you know? And then her mom's like, yeah, when this is all over, we're going to go to Tennessee. And Brisha's like, Tennessee? That's where daddy's family lives. And she was like, they'll still love you? She said, they're going to see me on the news and they're going to hate me. And she's like, please, can we just stay here? We can get a new house. Can we just stay here till I graduate and then I'll do whatever you want, please? And it's just like, it was sad, man. It was sad. So, so they take Brisha to Juvie and they officially arrest her for the murder of her father. Instacart helps you get beer and wine delivered in as fast as an hour. So, whether you need to fill the cooler for tailgate season or fill your glass for Pinot by the fire season, you can save time by getting false sips delivered in just a few clicks. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Must be 21 or over for alcohol delivery where available. Instacart. 
add life to cart. Streaming October 6th on Paramount Plus. First place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land would come back. There's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something's talking through him. Sometimes dead is better. Pet Cemetery, Bloodlines, Rated R, streaming only on Paramount Plus. Almost two weeks later, like August 15th, Brandy, Brianna, the older sister, and some other girl had to come back to the police station to give another statement. And in this statement, Brianna kind of just recaps her story. But Brandy shares that when they got into the interrogation room that night, that Brisha had told her for the first time that her dad had been raping her. And Brandy says, I know it was true because I swear to God, I get home from the interrogation and that evening, my niece who used to live with me comes over and she says, Auntie Brandy, promise me you won't be mad at me when I say this. But when I used to live with y'all, Uncle Johnny was having sex with me. And she was like, and that's why I stopped coming around because I didn't want to be around him anymore. She was like, I didn't even tell her what Brisha told me. And she just volunteered that information to me. I know it was true. I know he was raping Brisha. I know he was raping my niece because they both had the same story. Now, some other person testifies and I want to say it's Sequoia. They didn't introduce her name. It's just like a short clip. But in this clip, the girl says... Brisha did tell me that she was raped when she was younger, but she said her Uncle D did it. And she described this man with dreads and said Uncle D was a friend of her dad's. But then, you know, the little girl, she seems smart. They're old enough. She says, you know how victims want to tell, but they don't want to tell? And she Mm -hmm. was like, that's like how she was. And she was like, I tried to tell for her, not her mom, because she was like, but like, When I tried to tell, she said no. Like, first she said it happened, and then she took it back. She was like, but I think she was just too afraid to tell. Brandy, in the interrogation, also told them, you know, they were asking about, they're trying to get a record of all the guns she had, and she was like, two were in the pawn shop at the time because they needed the money, but they kept one gun in the house. And they was like, did he ever take out the gun? She was like, yeah, like, a couple weeks before this, he woke up in the middle night, he heard a noise, and he picked up the gun in the middle of the night and pointed it at my son. He didn't know it was him. He was like, oh, it's just you. And he was like, but I think he kept the safety on. And she was like, but, you know, he kept the gun on him. And he was like, and did he ever threaten you guys with the gun? She's like, yeah, several times. And it was like, well, when was the last time? She says, at the end of June. He was like, well, what was the incident? She's like, I can't remember what the argument is about. Maybe he thought I was looking at another man or something. And he was like, don't you fucking play with me. And she was like, what the fuck did I do now? And she, he was like, if you keep fucking playing, I'll kill you and these kids because ain't nobody else raising my damn kids. Like, this is, this is just what he was. And she just keeps telling the police, I'm trying to tell you he was an asshole. Like, Brisha Meadows was charged with delinquency by reason of aggravated murder. She was in the Trumbull County Juvenile Detention Facility awaiting the prosecutor's decision. So she, it's... Pretty tough because she is a minor and now she needs to go before the judge and find out, is she going to be charged as a minor or are they going to charge her as an adult? And if she's charged as an adult, that means that she could possibly get life in prison, not not life in prison. They said that, you know, they found they found that giving minors life in prison was unconstitutional, but that means that she could face, you know, up to 
50, 80 years in prison for this crime. And if she's charged as an adult, like she would be the youngest prisoner in the Ohio system at the time. Brandy, she's advocating for her daughter outside of the prison walls. And she's making sure that everybody knows that this was an act from the trauma of an abusive household. So yeah, it was self, it was some form of self-defense. Of course, Jonathan's family, they were shocked to hear about this. His sister was like, I just spoke to him the day of, the day before they're supposed to be getting ready for their anniversary or something like that. He was talking to me all about a cake. His brother was like, I just couldn't believe that they said that my niece, my niece was the one that shot her daddy. Like it, it's just baffling to me. And when you ask his side of the family if they saw any abuse, of course they said no. They asked him if they seen him. They said, yeah, he liked to drink a little bit. But he wasn't beating on her. He wasn't abusive to her, which, of course, you're not going to see it. No one else saw it on her end either until the cracks started showing. Right. When you're the abuser, it's real easy to keep the cracks from showing from your people. One of his brothers was like, you know, my brother works three jobs. He's working hard to provide his for his family. When I talked to him on the phone, he's telling me that he regrets that he has to work so much and can't spend all of his time with his family. Does that sound like an abusive man to you? Now, according to one of his brothers, most of the story is coming from what we could find on the internet because this is a minor. We don't have all the details because of that. But according to his brother, they said, if it wasn't murder, according to them, why she get in the shower? Try to clear evidence? If it wasn't murder, then why the couch in which his blood was on was on the side of the road before the police came? Which, suspicious if that's true. However, it was on the side of the road. It's not like the police couldn't see it. Yeah, all his family was just sitting there. Even the aunties was just like, at the end of the day, how you have self-defense against a man who sleep? She was like, that means he couldn't have been attacking you, so it wasn't self-defense. And that was the biggest thing that her team, once she got a lawyer was going to have to figure out. One of the investigators actually ended up contacting who became her lawyer, Ian Friedman. And there is an interview with Ian Friedman. And he was just like, I was told about this story. And I spoke to Brisha on like maybe her first or second night. I called up the office and the office was all, apparently the law office was already buzzing. And they were like, is this going to be your pro bono case? It should definitely be your pro bono case. And the entire office basically came in it was like, we're going to work on this case for free to help prove. And he was like, he said this, of course, you know, after this case was said and done. And, and he said that he was thinking this. Now he was, like, I was just looking at that girl and everything that she'd gone through. And I have a daughter. And I was just like, wow, there really are two justice systems. And of course, he didn't equate it to race, but he equated it to money. They can't pay. And I listen, as he was saying everything that he was saying, I was like, is he about to be insightful and say race? And then he ended it with money. No, he, and I was like, uh, uh, I guess that's another factor. But <laughs> it is another factor. <laughs> so but I mean, it is true. At the end of the day, if they had to pay out of pocket for everything, they wouldn't have been able to. They wouldn't have been able to afford his his law services. They would have gotten a lawyer from the state. Who knows what would have happened with that? Word about this case started spreading fast. And remember, this is what, 2016? Mm -hmm. Social media is a thing. Like, I'm very much 
about to graduate from college. <laughs> so social media is very much is a big thing. And the hashtag free Brisha campaign, they started a GoFundMe and that GoFundMe was to not to pay for her lawyers because her lawyers were pro bono. They could not accept funds from the GoFundMe. However, to start really getting her case on the road, they have to also pay for the experts. And that's a big thing about having a lawyer and a real team versus having a state-appointed attorney. Because if you need a mental health expert and that mental health expert costs this amount of money, the state is not going to, more than likely not going to pay for the mental health expert that you need to properly testify against you in court. They're going to give you testify the one that they approve of. To testify for you in court, you the GoFundMe blew up because social media blew up with the hashtag Free Brisha campaign, and people were upset. They could not believe that this girl that killed her abuser was still behind bars and wasn't able to even be out while she was awaiting her trial. Because she's, what, 14 at this time? And I mean, like, one of the girls from Fifth Harmony donated a couple thousand dollars, like $3,000. <laughs> so the family was able to reach their goal, pay for the experts, get her in a facility. I think she was in a mental health facility while she was awaiting trial. And, and they reached their, I think the goal was $150,000 to pay for the, to cover the expenses of this trial. And that goal was reached. And who has that on top of lawyer fees? Who are getting paid probably hourly unless you have them on a retainer, which is... Right. Because that was only to pay for the things to help push this case and get gather evidence and to get her treatment. Because to go to the private mental health facilities outside of what the, you know, the government will make you go to, those cost money. And people always talk about, oh, you should take care of mental health. That costs money. Capitalism is messing us up, y'all. People can't get the things that they need to survive and live a happy and thriving life because of money. We live on a spinning rock in the middle of the universe. And on this rock, this rock naturally provides everything that we need to live, to be happy, to find food, water, and shelter. And for some reason, y'all decided that money was the most important thing. So now when we don't have food, water, shelter, joy, peace, happiness, you say you're not going to get it, nigger, because you're black and you're poor. You know, they say... Done. You know, they say the number one cause of crime is poverty. And they put so much money into police whose job is to not even prevent crime, but stop the crime after it's happened, right? Because police don't prevent anything. It's always your child has to run away before we can step in. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to be hit first for us to put a case against you. So they don't prevent crime. They just stop the crime or investigate the crime afterwards. And they put all this money into this when if you put the money into the people and made sure that they can afford food and housing and water and education and all this stuff, if you put money into that, it would lower the crime rates a whole lot faster than it would putting in it to police. Trying it for years, and it's just going up. Right. Stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch. No. I'm hungry. When it's time to eat a meal, I rob it still, because my dukes ain't giving me shit. So for the bread and butter, I leave niggas in the gutter. Listen, we both got bars. Instead of war on poverty, they got a war on drugs so the police can bother me. I was just trying to make um, enough money so I can have some food to feed my daughter. Okay, yeah, back to this shit. 
So they have everything now, and they are going to get ready to decide if Brisha is going to go to trial. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial. So while Brisha is waiting for everything to get sorted out, she is struggling in a detention center. Every morning she's waking up to the loud pop of the doors, and it's sounding like the gunshot. She's suffering from flashbacks every night. She's having anxiety attacks, and she couldn't talk to anybody about it. And I know she's, like, super stressed. I remember when she was talking during the interrogation about not sleeping, one of the things she was spiraling about was, I'm going to go to this juvenile detention center, and they're going to wake me up early. She was like, it was 5 a.m. while she's giving her testimony. She said, they're going to wake me up early, and I'm not going to get sleep again. Like, she's, she is stressed. And that's a different type of sh- like. I just want, I just want a peaceful night's sleep. Do you know like how I couldn't get it at home. Without sleep, I couldn't get when you're sick. Like I just want peace, peace, peace. She is in the middle of her biggest mental health crisis of her life, and at the time didn't have a therapist. When she got to the uh, juvenile center, her mother had to sign a form that stated that other than prescribed refills and emergencies for your child will not be approved for any medical appointments while in detention. So, like, when she left, her mom said, make sure they tell you to give her pills. And if she needs extra pills for her anxiety or for her depression, she can't get them because that's not important enough there, you know? She was eventually diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. While she was in the detention center, she never got the mental health care that she needed, never got to see a psychiatrist, and and stated that she felt like there was nothing to live for. She said another girl in the juvenile detention center taught her how to cut herself with elastic hair tie, and she began her cutting phase again. And the only light that she had at the end of the tunnel was an influx of letters from people who had heard about her case. They began sending her books to read, sending her cards, telling her to stay positive. They're drawing pictures for her and just all of this stuff to tell you keep your head up. And it's it's got to be a positive force, all these strangers rallying behind you. Like, I know you strangers who listens are definitely a motivating force behind me and Mariah doing this podcast. And this is people just fighting for her to make it out and get a chance at life, you know what I mean? Like, how impactful that can be that these people who don't even know you care for you so much, and probably a lot more than it felt like your father cared for you. A lot of the letters that she got told her that she was brave, but she stated, quote, when I think about it, I don't think I did it because I was strong. I did it because it was the last resort. Now, while all this is going on, her attorney is working hard to get her a deal. He's like, everybody started asking me, where can we send stuff to Brisha? He's like, you know what? Send it to the prosecutor's office so they can see that the public wants her free. That'll that'll help Brisha the most. Send them the letters. He said, it was terrifying the whole time. If we made a mistake, even the slightest mistake, a little girl could end up in prison, and that would alter the course of her life. In December, they got their first piece of good news in this case. This was four months after Brisha had been in the juvenile detention center, and the prosecutor announced that they were not going to try her as an adult. This was a big win for them. One, it removes the threat of a life sentence. Two, the longest she can go to jail is to the age of 21, and 
although this filter weighs away, it's not fucking life, you know? Like, we've we've accomplished the first hurdle. And her record's going to be sealed. Like, you know, there's there's little wins to get out of this, and it's no small feat. But still, Brisha was like, I'm not trying to be locked up. Being in jail reminded her of being in her dad's house. She's like, I just went from one jail to the next. Mm. The authorities had complete control over her life. When she ate, when she slept, when she woke up, who she talked to, when she talked to them. She was like, it was triggering to be there. And y'all don't understand. I've already been through this. The letters and everything, it's nice, but she's still just getting more and more depressed. Like, at the end of the day, she's still out here fighting for her life. Her lawyer says, it was insane. You had this girl whose condition was just deteriorating every day. To us, this was the central issue of the case. So in April, after Brisha had been in jail for over eight months, her lawyer decides to file a motion urging the judge to release her and put her on electronic surveillance until the trial starts. He's like, there's no mental health services offered to her inside of Trumbull County Juvenile Detention Center. And this is like, this is basically cruel and unusual punishment. He says, quote, it's clear she sustained some real trauma throughout her life and needed care. And here she was just sitting in jail for an excess of 250 days without it. Then he added studies that was like, these are the long-term effects of incarcerations on teens. He was like, the research that he included caused them to believe that her remaining incarcerated would end with irreparable harm to Brucia. Like, if we have any chance at saving this girl, she needs to be out. Which is also crazy because um, all of these girls are going through things. Yeah. 85% of these girls are from abusive households or they have mental health issues. Brisha's trying to fight for her life, but she's battling her own mind. The girls are in there are also not getting the treatment that they deserve and the help that they need. She's still spiraling in the wrong direction. And you say that you want to help, but no one's helping. Right. Have you seen that show on Netflix about the, the girls at the girls incarcerated? Mm-hmm. And every single one of them has some shitty ass story about life at home, you know, just stuff. That it's always something. With. It's always something. There's no such thing as bad kids, kids behaving badly. But that's usually due to like them reaching out for something else. You know, like if you see a kid acting up, don't just label them, like check in on them. Well, what's going on that's making you act this way? Right. So one month after filing this motion, Brisha's lawyer was able to secure a plea deal on her behalf. On May 22nd of 2017, she pleaded true, which is they don't have guilty, not guilty in juvenile court. You just say true or not true. Or, And so she pleaded true to involuntary manslaughter charge. She had been in the detention center for 299 days and was sentenced to a year and a day. With credit for time served, she only had 67 days left of her sentence. In addition to her time in the detention center, she also had to do six additional months at a residential mental health facility in Cleveland and then two years of probation. She was 15 years old at the time of her sentencing. So now Brisha, of course, is out of jail and she is slowly rebuilding her life. She graduated from high school and she continues with counseling. She's still an advocate for domestic violence survivors, for youth that are going through a lot of things at home and need their voices to be heard. She is really active with campaigns like hashtag survived and punished. She speaks 
a lot at different campaigns. Just she's active. Brandy and Brisha do have matching tattoos. They have matching tattoos of a semicolon with the arrow through it. Now, the semicolon tattoo, that was pretty popular a couple years ago. And it basically means that the story is not over because a semicolon, that's not where your story ends, that your story continues. A lot of people use it to signify significant moments in their life, mainly survivors of suicide ideation. Nowadays, if you catch her, she's probably on TikTok, probably watching Netflix. She's still in Ohio, but I hear that she really wants to get out of Ohio. I would too, girl. If you ask her, she says that, you know, most kids just need help. She said behind everything that people have going on, there is something like it's not an excuse for what people do. But you have to remember that a kid has a kid's mind and kids don't have adult minds. And so it's like if you're incarcerating children like they're adults, it crushes you. It messes with your mind. And I think that she's absolutely right. Now, if anybody wants to know about her cousin that left their home, Javon, Javon did bounce around from foster home to foster home for a little while until he found one of his foster parents that ended up adopting him. And he says that's his lady and he loves his mom. And he's now married and is happily being the father that he never had. So that is the story of Brisha Meadows. I know you love that DJ, so I bought us tickets for next week. Got you a coffee, oatmeal cappuccino, right? Your bookshelf, wow. You've got a really, really great taste. Let's spend the day together. I've got it all planned out. Kindness, now that's sexy. Try it for yourself with compliments, now on Bumble. All right, y'all, it's time for... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. Um, All I can say is I ain't do it, but if I did, the moms should have, I don't know, I guess pressed harder to get a paper trail. It's really difficult, you know what I mean? If she's so scared... But if she's retracting her statements, you know what I mean? That's the only thing you can change, but, like, that's just... That's the cycle she was in. You know what I mean? That's expected behavior. That's just how it goes. And it's not over till it's over one way or another. Yeah. There's not much I would change about this case. I'm not going to lie to you, friend. Mm Um... I think that this case is just a particularly sad one because it's a story that is way too common. Um, I guess I didn't do it if I did. I would have waited till he was awake. I would have even woken him up just so that he was awake and we could have clear self-defense. But see, then are you creating a plan? Mm, yeah, see? That's a good I thought. I don't know. I mean, I think I'm just glad they didn't drag it on her, you know? Like, I don't know that she really 
I think I think it's a tricky self-defense case with him being asleep and all. But I could definitely see this going a completely much worse way. So and and it has. And it has. And right. that's the thing. The real reason that Brisha's sentence was as low as it was and that she wasn't tried like an adult was because she was able to get a pro bono lawyer because social media went bananas behind her. That is it. Because like she said herself, every one, single one of these young girls, they have a story and they're going through some shit and they have something serious and traumatic in their home life, in their personal life that's going on that nobody cares about. And once social media jumps on one, everybody's like, okay, well, we'll let this person off so that social media will go down. But the reality is everybody, to have a just system, we would have to rally every single day behind a new campaign because that is how fucked the justice system is. We have a right to protest. And so we do use that right. However, we shouldn't have to, to get you to do the right thing. You know what I'm saying, America? Like, I shouldn't have to I have the right to protest and I will demonstrate that right, but I shouldn't have to to get you to do the right thing. And I shouldn't have to have a hashtag for every... If there was a hashtag for every single girl that is in the system that whose caseworkers are not listening to them, whose teachers are not listening to them, whose parents are abusing them, whose loved ones or foster parents are abusing them, there would be so many hashtags that would be saturated. And again, nothing would get done instead of just fixing the system to ensure that this doesn't happen in the first place. You get what I'm saying? Does it make I sense? What you're saying. Am I just I rambling? I down. And I think that that's why advocates are so important. Like, no one should be, no child. You say that your brain is too young to smoke weed or smoke cigarettes or do drugs or be or to join the military like all of those but my brain is developed enough to sit in solitude come on talk to me tell me something i'm talking to you america <laughs> yeah i agree things have got to change Oh, that means reviews. Hey, you can leave us a review literally anywhere. So do it. If you have something nice to say, if you have something mean to say, then tell that very mean thing to somebody that you absolutely hate. And hopefully they will listen out of curiosity. (laughs) I like that reverse psychology there. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See what I did there? I did, I did. Um, Do you have one? Yeah, sure. How does it feel? Oh, yeah. This one's from our DMs. (laughs) This one from Misha. (laughs) And our DMs. I had a feeling this one. Misha said, so y'all respond or no? And Misha, I want to give you a personalized shout out because it looks like Misha gave us a case suggestion like last year and I responded, said we're going to put it on the list. And she's responded to a couple of stories and I didn't even like them. I could have liked them. I'm sorry. That's my bad. And then she gave us another suggestion and it looked like I didn't even react to that one. Let me screenshot it so I can put it on the list. I'm going to do it right now. And Thank then you, Misha. she told me, 
And then she respond. She talked to me about the last Friday case, and I guess I didn't respond back to her fast enough, or maybe I opened it. And she, you know, you they could see when you seen it, and that's when I she asked me if we respond or not. Nah. I be trying to put it back on unread and wonder if it still says. I'm sorry. I I did not mean to particularly ignore you, Misha. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, it's just and not I also as advertised. Right. <laughs> this one says, I just wanted to write you and say how much I love your podcast. You are so funny and informative. I just started listening about a week ago and I'm already hooked. Thank you so much for being so amazing. Thank you for being amazing. Thanks. I appreciate it. If you'd like to keep up with us, you can. You can email us at sisterswhokillpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, sisterswhokill, Instagram, sisterswhokillpod, TikTok, sisterswhokillpodcast. You can like the public Facebook page, sisterswhokill, or you can join the and, and not or, and you can do it in addition to, not either or, and you can join the discussion group. It's a private discussion group page where we talk about all the nitty gritties. If I would like to also apologize, I'm just apologizing to the people today. I would also like to apologize to the few people I've seen myself do it three times at least this week. So maybe I've done it times before. People that have filled in the questions and did what they were supposed to do and my my thumb was just moving too fast and I press decline, I don't hate you. I love you. Please come back. You still have to answer the questions again, but please, I'm sorry. It's me. It's not you. All right, that's all I got. You got anything else, friend? Mm-mm, I'm not sorry for nothing. Talk to us. Okay, well, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs>